Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. สวัสดีครับ. Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today we're going to be doing breathing mindfulness meditation. This is our second meeting in this restart of the group learning program. And as such, I would like to give you just a brief introduction to breathing mindfulness meditation and help you get started with developing a meditation practice that will help to start training the mind as you progress through the group learning program. Each Wednesday, I'll be providing you guidance on breathing mindfulness meditation, loving kindness meditation, or Buddhist chanting. And we will wrap other teachings into that as well. And then when we get to chapter 11, which is the chapter that's devoted 100% to meditation, we'll be actually taking a very deep dive into meditation itself, covering all the various aspects of developing a meditation practice. But between now in that chapter, which happens on the 11th session that we have because it's chapter 11, between now and then, I will just be giving you kind of some brief introductions and kind of helping you get started in establishing this meditation practice because your meditation practice is going to start out with kind of this introduction and just kind of getting started, but then over time, with all these various sessions that we're doing, we're gonna make it deeper and deeper and deeper so that you understand more and more and more about meditation so that you can get more and more and more benefit out of your meditation sessions. So that's what we're actually gonna be doing today is really focusing in on giving a really good, solid introduction to breathing mindfulness meditation. And as we get started here, I just would like to say to everyone out in the world, Happy Mother's Day. Today in Thailand is the Queen's birthday, August 12th. And on August 12th here in Thailand, we celebrate Mother's Day. And we did that today in our house celebrating Mother's Day. So I would like to just say Happy Mother's Day to any mothers out there. And more widely and more broadly, just think about a time to reflect on women and the contribution that women make to our society. Because when we arrive at Mother's Day in any particular country, sure, I think about mothers and all the contributions and things that they do for the world. But in a wider setting, thinking about women and really reflecting on the many, many, many contributions that women make to us throughout the world. And today, what we did in our household is my son did what's called Dumhua. 
it's a little time where the son kind of comes together. My son came together with his mom. His mom sat on a sofa and he got down on the floor and he offered her some flowers and some fruit and some orange juice and some other different offerings that he made to her. And then he scooped this scented water onto her hands and washed her hands. And then he scooped this water onto her feet and washed her feet. And then he said some nice kind words to his mom. And then he bowed down to his mom, showing respect and gratitude. And then he removed her feet out of the pail of water and then dried off her feet really, really well. So he's almost eight years old, but this is something that I've been teaching him since he was only one years old. This is something that we did for the very first time on his birthday. On his very first birthday, he washed his mom's hands as a way of showing respect to her and thanking her for his life, that she was the one who went through so much work, me too, of course, but her much more than me, to bring him into the world. And uh, obtaining this human birth is one of the best things that we could ever have happen for us in all of our cycle of rebirth and all the various births that we've had arriving here into the human realm and obtaining this human birth is one of the best things that could ever happen for us because now we have an opportunity to attain enlightenment and end this whole cycle of rebirth so parents are very well respected in buddhist societies particularly here in thailand so children are taught from very early in age again with my son starting at age one to respect mom and dad thanking them and showing appreciation for bringing them into the human realm and supporting their life so at my son's birthday he will do this at new year's he will do this on his mom's birthday he will actually do this typically as well and then also on mother's day and father's day so there's multiple times for the children to actually do this throughout the year and it's up to each person to choose some children do it once a year some people do it more often but typically on new year's mother's day and your actual birthday right in our culture we tend to look for all the attention on our birthday it's my birthday well here in thailand the children are actually taught that on your birthday go thank your parents for the wonderful thing that they did to bring you into this world and show you the world as they bring you up into the world and teach you all the many lessons and all the many things that you need because no matter who brought you into this world there were people around you that took care of you there were people who changed your diapers there were people who worked in order to acquire food for you there was people who gave you shelter and water there was people who gave you medical care there was people who taught you language there was people who taught you what a car is what a tree is what a bird is all these different things when we're 20 30 40 years old we kind of take for granted this long life that we've already lived all these years and all these things that we've learned and all the people that contributed to that learning so here in thailand on mother's day and father's day it's a time where children will often drive really far and travel back to their home villages in order to show mom and dad appreciation 
for giving them this human life. And it's also a time to do that on your actual birthday as well, rather than practice our birthday as kind of a selfish desire of us getting presents and us getting attention, the ties are taught to turn that around and actually share respect and gratitude and appreciation to the parents, which I think is just a beautiful lesson that we can share all throughout the world of using our birthday to actually show appreciation to our parents. And I think this can be really revolutionary to the mind and help knock down some of the selfishness, some of the craving that sometimes goes along with celebrating our birthday. You know, celebrate our birthday by thanking our parents. So I just thought I would share that with you since today is Mother's Day and say thank you to all the women in the world who contribute so much benefit to our society. So thank you so much for everything you do as a woman to contribute to this society, whether you have children or not, you're still somebody in the community that mentors and provides guidance and helps people with your warmth, your kindness, and your compassion. And that's exactly what our world needs. So I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you to all the women in the world. So now that we've discussed that, let's actually talk about breathing mindfulness meditation. In this practice of Gautama Buddha's teachings that is leading us to this mental state of enlightenment. Remember, enlightenment is a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy that as you learn the teachings, you practice those teachings. And as you practice them, you see the truth that the mind improves. And the reason why the mind and the condition of the mind is improving is because you're gaining more and more and more wisdom along this path and the mind starts functioning differently in the world. So as you take these steps forward towards enlightenment, the mind will never revert backwards. So as you learn to use things like right speech and speaking with the right time, what you say is true, what you say is gentle, what you say is beneficial, you speak with a mind of loving kindness, you speak blamelessly, which we're going to get into in a few weeks from now. Once you train the mind to do this and you're doing it very well, the mind will never revert back to speaking with ego and hostility and aggressiveness because the consciousness has evolved. It will never revert back because the mind now has more wisdom and you've taken the effort to train the mind to actually practice these good, wholesome teachings. Well, one of the important things that we do as part of this practice to train the mind to attain this mental state of enlightenment is breathing mindfulness meditation. This should be a daily practice in everybody's life. You should be doing this at least once a day, perhaps twice a day, and ultimately maybe building up to three times a day, depending on what you've got going on in your life. But even if you can just start out with once a day, that's going to be really important for you. And then maybe as you build more and more success, build up to twice a day. Because it's breathing mindfulness meditation that is actually going to be solving the primary problem that Gautama Buddha discovered about the mind. We haven't discussed that primary problem yet. We're going to discuss it when we talk about the Four Noble Truths. So there's this primary problem that Gautama Buddha discovered that is causing all the discontent feelings. 
So all the sadness, anger, frustration, irritation, annoyance, guilt, shame, fear, boredom, loneliness, shyness, jealousy, resentment, all these discontent feelings that exist in the mind, it comes down to one primary problem. And this particular meditation is one of the antidotes or one of the solutions that Gautama Buddha gave us in order to train the mind to eliminate the discontent feelings. So that's why I would like to introduce it here on this second meeting of our group learning program, even though we haven't discussed all the other teachings that we need to discuss in order to help you fully understand what breathing mindfulness meditation is and why we actually do it. So because we haven't got to that yet, I'm just going to give you kind of a basic, basic, basic introduction to breathing mindfulness meditation just to help you get started, just to help you kind of establish this practice of breathing mindfulness meditation. We'll discuss the problem of what's the problem in the mind and why the mind is discontent. We'll discuss the solutions. We're going to get into this really, really deeply as this program progresses. But right here at the beginning, let's just get you started with doing some very basic introductory breathing mindfulness meditation. So that's our plan for today. And in order to get us started, I would like to show you a few words of Gautama Buddha in order to help you see that he did in fact teach this as part of his teachings. Because remember, I shared with you at the first discussion on Sunday, don't ever believe me about anything because belief is not going to lead to you observing the truth and gaining wisdom. So I'm not interested in you believing me about anything. So I'm going to share with you the Buddha's actual words rather than just believe me that he taught breathing mindfulness meditation rather than even just believe me that he taught meditation. Sure, there's plenty of people in the world that say he taught meditation, but do you know that whether that's true or not? Well, today we're going to look at some of his words so you know the truth that he absolutely taught meditation and it was a primary teaching so that you can actually see his real words. And then when we actually do meditation, then you will see the benefits for yourself. Once I teach this, even as an introductory level, you're going to be able to get a lot of benefit out of your meditation session that we're going to do today. And when we do that meditation session, as we're doing it and afterwards, you're going to see the benefit. So you're going to see the truth today. This isn't a situation where I'm going to teach you something and then sometime far, far, far in the distant future, you're going to see the benefits. No, that's not how this practice works at all. I'm going to share something a lot of things with you today and then once you learn them and you start practicing them today and subsequent days after this you're going to see the truth right away that this meditation absolutely works and i'm going to show it to you the way that gotama buddha taught it in his teachings so let's look at some of gotama buddha's words to get us started these are just a few of his very basic words around meditation. And then we're going to share a little bit more deeply some of his words around meditation. Here, you can see one of the first quotes that I brought out 
of the Pali Canon. Remember, the Pali Canon is the source of Gautama Buddha's teachings. It's the most complete source that exists in the world. But in the Pali Canon, it doesn't contain everything you need in order to attain enlightenment. This is why you need a teacher and someone to provide you guidance along this path. So the teachings provide us some insight and some wisdom, but it's up to each individual practitioner to now take these teachings, put them into practice, and see the truth for yourself. And through that truth, then you'll have wisdom to improve the condition of the mind. So this first quote that I pulled out of the Pali Canon, a pot without a stand is easy to tip over. These are Gautama Buddha's words. What he's essentially saying here is a mind without a meditation practice is easy to tip over. The mind is the pot. The stand is the meditation practice. So if you've been in life and you've experienced anger, which you, I'm sure you have, irritation, annoyance, guilt, shame, boredom, loneliness, resentment, jealousy, all these discontent feelings that you're having and you're experiencing, it makes sense because it's easy to tip your mind over. It's easy for your mind to experience discontentedness if you don't have a stand. So the meditation practice is the stand. And the more and more that you develop your meditation practice, this stand becomes wider and wider and wider, i.e. more stable. So the pot becomes more stable, the wider and wider this stand is. So the more developed your meditation practice is, the more stability of mind that you're going to experience. So today, if this is the first time you're meditating or this is the first time you're meditating in this particular way, then you're going to have a stand. You're going to have this little tiny rod of a stand. And each time you practice meditation, each day you do it more and more and more and you deepen and develop your meditation practice, this stand is going to get wider and wider and wider to the point where now your mind or the pot is much more stable. Eventually, you do enough meditation over multiple months and years that the mind then becomes unshakable. Through learning these teachings and practicing meditation, the mind becomes unshakable. Gautama Buddha used these words, unshakable. So the pot can't be tipped over when it has a nice solid stand. And meditation is that solid stand. But let's get into some more of his words along these lines. This next phrase, meditate bhikkhus. Bhikkhus is the male ordained practitioners. Oftentimes in his teachings, he's actually referring to them. So here he says, meditate bhikkhus. Another way you can take this is meditate students, right? Or meditate practitioners, right? So meditate bhikkhus. Do not be negligent lest you regret it later. This is my instruction to you. Okay? So he's telling people, meditate. Don't be complacent. Don't be lazy. Don't be negligent. Or you will regret it later. So if you go through life and you don't meditate, 
your life is going to be very hectic. You're going to have a lot of discontent feelings. Life is going to be very difficult, very challenging, lots of problems, very problematic. So if you don't meditate, if you're complacent and you're lazy, you're going to regret it later. And there's been some recent people that have made some posts on our Facebook group that was talking about this. They were saying, you know, I was doing so well with my meditation and I slacked off for five days or a couple of weeks. And boy, did I notice the difference, right? We regret it later when we don't meditate. Another reason why you regret it later is if you get to the end of this life and you don't attain enlightenment, then you will be reborn. And it most likely isn't going to be into the human realm. It's going to be into a lower realm. And once you get into the lower realms, it's like a prison and very hard to get back to the human realm again. So meditate, bhikkhus. Do not be lazy. Do not be negligent, right? Do not be complacent or you will regret it later, essentially, is what he's saying. This is my instruction to you. Very short phrase. The Buddha is very well known for this. This is like two sentences, all of about maybe 10 or 12 words, but it has so much meaning in it, right? So meditate, students. Do not be negligent, lest you will regret it later. This is my instruction to you. Create a daily, consistent meditation practice, and you will see the benefits for yourself. You will see the truth. And now let's go to this next one, which is more involved, but it really highlights what we're talking about here with breathing mindfulness meditation about how the Buddha for sure taught meditation. Here's what he said. Bhikkhus, students, there is one thing that when developed and cultivated leads exclusively to disenchantment, to dispassion, to cessation, to peace, to direct knowledge, to enlightenment, to nibbana. What is that one thing? Mindfulness of breathing. That is that one thing that when developed and cultivated leads exclusively to disenchantment, to dispassion, to cessation, to peace, to direct knowledge, to enlightenment, to nibbana. Okay, now let's look at this. Whenever you see Gautama Buddha talking about cessation, what he's referring to is the elimination of discontented feelings. When somebody has cessation, it means that they've eliminated the discontent feelings and they've eliminated the suffering of those feelings, that those feelings cause in the mind. So what he's saying here is mindfulness of breathing, or what I call breathing mindfulness meditation, leads to, leads exclusively to cessation. It leads to peace. Direct knowledge is you get to see the truth. That's what direct knowledge is, is you see the truth for yourself. It leads to direct knowledge, experiential knowledge. You can experience that cessation and that peace through direct knowledge, through your own experience. You will see for yourself that it leads to cessation and to peace, to enlightenment, peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy, to nibbana. Nibbana is the same thing as enlightenment. What is that one thing? What's that one thing that leads to all this peace 
and eliminating discontentedness through our own experience. Mindfulness of breathing, right? So here you can see very clearly the Buddha is saying we should do breathing mindfulness meditation. He said it, a pot without a stand is easy to tip over. It's easy to get discontent feelings if you don't have a meditation practice, right? Don't be negligent. Meditate. This is my instruction to you. And then here you go. He's sharing breathing mindfulness meditation. So these are just some very introductory teachings of the Buddha. He goes on in his teachings and talks extensively about breathing mindfulness meditation and what we should do during breathing mindfulness meditation. And that's what I plan to teach you today. But before I do that, I would like to just pause here and see if there's any questions in anything I've been discussing so far. Well, it's a pretty powerful quote that, David, isn't it? What is that one thing? Mindfulness of breathing. Absolutely. And, and what's interesting is that we have so many different styles of meditation today. And here, here we have Gautam Buddha saying there is this one thing. That's the, mindfulness of breathing. That's a very good point, Max, because there's many times where I've shared you know, there's a hundred or a thousand or 2000 different meditation techniques out there. And one of the things that I see practitioners spending a lot of time on is learning all these different meditation techniques. Well, if you can boil it down to just what the Buddha actually taught, which is breathing mindfulness meditation and loving kindness meditation, those are the two meditations that he taught. Then that frees your time up to learn all the other teachings that are part of the path and focus your energy on applying them where what people sometimes tend to do that are on this path is they want to learn one, two, 10, 20, 50 different meditations, almost like a toolbox. And by doing that, you're actually preoccupying your time and using your energy and your effort and your time in all of these different meditation techniques that Gautama Buddha is essentially saying you don't need, right? There's only one meditation here that he's prescribing, which is mindfulness of breathing. And later in this program, I will share with you guys where he talks about this as well as loving kindness. There's only two primary meditations that he ever taught, and those are the only two that you actually need. And when you understand the three poisons, which is the real problems in the mind, you'll understand why you only ever needed to teach two meditations. All the other adaptations that we see, the hundred or thousand different meditations in the world, these are people who aren't a Buddha. These are people who may not even be enlightened. They may not even be enlightened and they just kind of invented this meditation technique. Well, if you want to learn how to get enlightened, learn from a Buddha, learn from the Buddha. He did it by himself. He knows the path very, very, very clearly. So that's a very good point, Max, is here with all these different meditations that we have in the world, all these different apps and guided meditations and everything, for the Buddha, the one who was the master teacher who discovered this on his own and everyone else is trying to emulate, he just prescribed this one at this particular point. Later, we'll introduce the other one, which is loving kindness meditation. So is it possible then, David, to do too much meditation? Yes, maybe there is an ability to do too much, right? Because it's all about the middle path, right? So 
if somebody was meditating 20, 23, 24 hours a day, they weren't taking showers, they weren't attending to the medical necessities of the body, they weren't practicing good hygiene, they weren't eating, right? They weren't feeding the body, the physical body, and they weren't out in society, living in society and actually building relationships and conducting a livelihood to sustain their life, then yes, this would be too much meditation. And at the same time, if you do too little, it's not helpful as well. So one of the things that we'll get to when we get into chapter 11 is I talk about kind of timing and frequency and all of these things that will be needed. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. But in chapter 11, we're going to get into it much more detail. Another thing you just helped me think of there was that when we're practicing meditation, we are also practicing harmlessness because we're practicing right intention as part of that. And if we are just trying to meditate, you know, until our legs fall off, then that's not practicing harmlessness. Alan Watts described it as competitive suffering in meditation. (laughs) Sometimes we feel that we have to just sit through the pain. And of course, that's not practicing to do no harm because we're doing harm to ourselves with that. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into some of the basics and kind of an introduction of meditation. And of course, in chapter 11, we'll get into it in much more detail. So the breathing mindfulness meditation that the Buddha taught is exactly that. You're just essentially breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be fixating the mind on the breath. And the way that you do that is you fixate the mind on the sound of the breath entering the nose or the sensation of the air moving over the skin into the nose. Those are the two options that I would suggest in terms of where do you fixate the mind during meditation? Because while we're in meditation, the breath is the present moment. And what we're doing is we're training the mind to come into the present moment. Because one of the things that Buddha taught is singleness of mind. By developing singleness of mind and residing with the mind only in the present moment, with this wisdom of the Buddhist teachings, you can make very, very good, wholesome decisions in the present moment. But if the mind is dwelling in the past or longing for the future, now the mind is tainted, it's muddled, It's not in the present moment. Therefore, it doesn't have concentration. It doesn't have focus. It doesn't have clarity of thought. And oftentimes people say things that isn't really their true intention, or they might do things out of, you know, just the mind is not in the present moment. So by bringing the mind into the present moment through meditation and training it to reside there, then Now, if you take the benefits of that and move it into daily life, now you can make decisions that benefit you by just making one decision at a time. One of the things that the Buddha shared was when you're walking, you're walking. When you're eating, know that you're eating. When you're sitting, know that you're sitting. You know, when you're talking, know that you're talking. He went on to say, when you're urinating, know that you're urinating. When you're defecating, know that you're defecating, right? And this is where I'm like, wow, this enlightened Buddha, he was so enlightened. He knew 2,500 years ago, we'd be on the toilet with smartphones, or at least maybe you might be. (laughs) I don't don't do that. (laughs) But 
he knew that, right? No, he didn't know about smartphones, right? But the point is, what you'll notice is that if you focus on just one thing at a time, you'll make much better decisions. And those decisions will be more beneficial in your life. Whereas if you're led to believe that you're supposed to be multitasking, well, the mind actually can't multitask. This is a huge misunderstanding in the world. The mind actually can't multitask. The mind can actually do one thing at a time. This is how you know. There's many ways I could show you, but this is just one way that you'll know. If you're talking to your friend on the phone and you're watching TV and you're also eating a sandwich, when you get off the phone with your friend, you probably feel like, whoa, like I don't even remember the conversation, like I wasn't really engaged. So you're not really engaged in the conversation and taking in and benefiting you and your friend in the conversation. You're not really taking in the TV program and you're not really enjoying the sandwich either and actually allowing it to nourish your body. When you're done with doing those three things, you're like, whoa, like what did I just do? And you might even have an upset stomach. Your mind might be spinning. Well, the reason why is because you weren't actually doing all three things at one time. What you were doing is you were talking for a few milliseconds or a few seconds. You were looking at the program for a few seconds and then you were eating your sandwich for a few seconds. You weren't actually doing all three at the same time. So we shouldn't train our mind to attempt to do multitasking. We shouldn't train the mind to cycle and try to do 10, 20, 30, 50 things at one time. What the Buddha is teaching and what you will find most beneficial for your life is to just do one thing at a time. And what you'll notice is you'll actually have more benefit and more impact in your life because if you try to do three things at one time, conversation with your friend, watch the TV and eat the sandwich, when you're done with all that, you're going to have to clean up this problem with your friend because your friend kind of realizes that you weren't really engaged in the conversation. And now your relationship with that loved one or that friend struggles and you start having problems because they don't feel like you're really interested in being close with them because every time they talk to you, you're not engaged. And then when you tried to take in this TV program, you didn't really get to learn what it is that you were trying to learn on the TV program. And then when you were taking in the food, it didn't really nourish your body in the best way. And you may end up with a stomach problem and you may have to take medicine. You may have to go to the store, get medicine because your stomach's hurting. You may have to miss a day of work, right? So these decisions that we make, every decision that we make, whether it's wholesome or unwholesome, has a certain effect or impact on us. And if you try to multitask, and in this situation, now you've got all kinds of things to clean up. And if you did that for 30 minutes or an hour, talking to your friend, watching TV, eating a sandwich, you just wasted a whole hour. And now you've got to spend many more hours with your friend to clean up that problem. You've got to watch the TV program again to really truly get the knowledge that you were looking for. And now you might miss a day of work or have to go to the store and get medicine and you're gonna lay in bed with a stomach ache because you ate your sandwich too fast, right? So we actually create more problems for ourselves by trying to have the mind cycle and it thinks it's doing all of these things at one time, but it's really not. It's only doing one thing at a time. So since the mind can only physically do 
one thing at a time. Don't ever attempt to make it do more than that because you're not gonna be successful with it. So what breathing mindfulness meditation is doing when you actually practice this is it's training the mind to come into the present moment, have singleness of mind, singleness of mind, and it's developing awareness of mind, which we're gonna get into when we talk about the Eightfold Path, we're gonna talk about awareness of mind. That's what mindfulness means. This word mindfulness is used in lots of different ways in society today. But when we get to the Eightfold Path in chapter five, we're going to be talking about mindfulness as awareness of mind. Because remember, on this path to enlightenment, we're purifying the mind. We're training the mind to get rid of all these unwholesome qualities and cultivate wholesome qualities getting to this peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. Well, if we're going to do that, we have to have awareness of what's in the mind. And it's in meditation that we're gaining this awareness. So in breathing mindfulness meditation, we're training the mind to come to the breath, develop singleness of mind. And as there's thoughts of the past or the future, we're cutting those off. We're letting them go and we're bringing the mind to the breath to train it to have singleness of mind. And through doing that, now in daily life, we're able to do one thing at a time. And in meditation, we're cultivating this awareness of mind where we actively train the mind in meditation. And then more and more when we train it, we're actually able to control it. So in meditation, by having this awareness of mind, training the mind to have singleness of mind, and when thoughts and ideas come into the mind, we're able to cut those off and bring the mind to the breath, or we're able to let those thoughts go and bring the mind to the breath. Now we take that training, that control that we've developed, because now that we've trained the mind in meditation over multiple sessions, we now have the ability to control the mind. So then in daily life, when someone cuts you off in traffic, you can just let it go. It doesn't cause the mind to be discontent. Or if you're in a meeting at a business meeting and one of your colleagues says something that you might feel is rude or you disagree with their opinion, if you feel any kind of frustration because you've trained your mind in meditation, you can now cut that off because you've trained your mind in meditation so well, you have complete control over your mind. This is what an enlightened being would have. They would have complete control over their mind. They don't even feel anger or frustration arise. But the more that you practice this meditation and you practice along the path, you get benefits during meditation and you experience the benefits during meditation but it's when you step out into daily life that you now take these benefits that you've created through your meditation training into daily life so that someone cuts you off in traffic, someone says something displeasing to you, maybe your child gets injured at a game in your neighborhood or in your village, comes home with a big cut, rather than the mind being, oh my God, my baby's bleeding, oh, they've got a cut you can actually gain control over that. 
and you can be like, all right, what do I need to do right now? Let me wash it, let me clean it, let me apply some medication, and let me put a Band-Aid on it. No reason to get upset, no reason to get angry, no reason to get frustrated, no reason to be sad. Let me just address the situation with a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind, so then it's done and over with. Or if your son or your daughter comes home and has, hopefully not, but a broken leg, and rather than getting upset and being discontent and putting them in the car and driving really fast to the hospital and maybe getting in an accident and making it worse, with meditation, when you train the mind and you can control it, when your child or a loved one comes home with a broken leg, you know, okay, let me maintain control of the emotions and the feelings and let me just get this person some help that they need. Get in the car, let's go, let's drive, boom. Or let me call an ambulance or whatever it is in your particular neighborhood or your particular community, you know what it is to get this person help. That's why there's always 10 million right answers. But the decisions that you need to make is you need to decide to learn and practice this meditation every day. And by doing that, you will gain better and better control over the mind because you're now training the mind. You now have a stand for your pot. A pot without a stand is easy to tip over. Loved one comes home with a cut, you see blood, easy to tip over because you don't have a stand. Or somebody cuts you off in traffic, easy to tip your mind over because you don't have a stand. Somebody in a business meeting says something you disagree with, easy to tip over the pot, easy for you to get frustrated, easy for you to get angry because you don't have a stand to support the mind. So it's only when we train the mind in breathing mindfulness meditation that you're developing this stand and the mind is going to become more and more unshakable. And with this peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy, with this unshakable mind, with this concentration, with this focus, with this clarity of thought, with this improved memory that comes with enlightenment, you will then be able to reside in the present moment with an enlightened mind and make very good decisions with clarity of thought and with your wisdom each time it's time for you to make a decision and you'll be able to handle any situations that arise in your life through this more enlightened mind. So let me pause here and see what questions we might have. So we have a question from Bill. He asks, when we are struggling with our meditation practice, what is the proper way to respond skillfully? I have a tendency to do negative self-talk, such as, see, you can't be consistent, or why even bother? Do you have any recommendations to counteract those old behaviors? Yeah, so breathing mindfulness meditation is one, to be able to let go of the thoughts, but Bill, loving kindness meditation is really important for you. I used to always have negative self-talk a lot as well, and this is why loving kindness meditation starts with you, and then it expands beyond that, and you might actually want to just have some sessions where you just focus on you. May I be peaceful. May I be well. May I be safe. May I be free of discontentness, and do it again. May I be peaceful. May I be safe. Just repeating for yourself over and over and over and over and over again, and then say all beings at the end. 
We're going to get to loving kindness meditation next week, but Bill, I know that you already know it. So you can actually be doing loving kindness meditation to cultivate active goodwill without judgment. That's loving kindness, active goodwill without judgment. What you're doing is you're actually judging yourself. You're judging yourself and you're having expectations of yourself. So you've got to cultivate this active goodwill without judgment. And if you miss a day or two of meditation, then no big deal. You know, get to it the next time. Oftentimes where I also think this might come from, and I know your background a little bit, Bill, is we're oftentimes brought up in certain traditions that say, if you don't pray every day, you know, you're made to feel guilty or shameful. And this can cause a mind who's been conditioned that way, that if you miss a day or two of meditation to have that negative self-talk towards yourself. So you've got to let go and realize that meditation practice is impermanent. Even though I say you should have a daily meditation practice where you're meditating every day, I know you can't meditate every day. It's not possible. (laughs) I haven't meditated every day of my life. And even now, two or three days ago, I was like super tired. I was working with the audiobook a lot. I was helping my son. I didn't get too much sleep. And I just decided for that particular day, I wasn't going to meditate. But I got to it the next day. So you've got to recognize that this meditation practice, even though the goal, the objective, the interest is to do a daily practice and be very consistent with that as much as possible, there's going to be a day or two or three that you skip here and there. And when you recognize that, just apply effort to get back to it and really start meditating on a consistent basis each day. Thank you, David. We have no more questions at the moment. Okay. So there's four main positions with meditation. There's seated, standing, lying, and walking. Most people learn in the seated position to start out. So what I would like you to do, wherever you are, wherever you're seeing this, whether it's on Facebook or YouTube or Zoom or you're listening to this on the podcast, I would like you to take a position sitting on the floor or in a chair. If you're going to be on the floor, you're going to be cross-legged and you might want to put some cushions under your butt to kind of prop you up and reduce the angle at your hip. Because if you have too tight of an angle at your hip, the circulation will tend to cut off. So go ahead and take a position. I'm actually already sitting in a chair, so I'm just going to stay here looking at the camera. But take a seat on a chair, on a floor with cushions under your rear, wherever it is. Your position should be comfortable, but not luxurious. Okay, so your lower body should be comfortable, but not luxurious. So if you're crossing your legs on the floor, don't have them real, real tight into your body. Create a little bit of looseness with your legs so that you can allow the circulation to flow throughout your legs. So your lower body should be stable and still. If you're on a chair, you might decide to put your feet on the floor, flat on the floor. You might decide to cross your legs, totally up to you. This isn't about everybody doing it exactly the same way. It's about finding a way that feels comfortable for you. One of the benefits of having a teacher is your meditation teacher should be helping you find a position that's comfortable for you. And the way that I do it might not necessarily 
be what's comfortable for you. So take some time and find a comfortable position that's comfortable for you. Either sitting on the floor with cushions under your rear, just lightly cross legs, or sitting in a chair with your feet flat on the floor or cross leg. Your upper body, it should be erect. You should have your upper body muscles engaged where you shouldn't be leaning back up against a wall or you shouldn't also be leaning up against the back of the chair because in this case, the mind has a tendency to become comfortable and complacent. It has a tendency to become sluggish or lazy because the body is so relaxed that the mind kind of turns off. So we need to make the body kind of be somewhat attentive so that the mind is attentive. We were interested in keeping the mind attentive so that we can actively train the mind. So with your upper body muscles, keep those engaged where the upper body is erect, but it's not real rigid. You don't want it to be real rigid and real stiff, and you don't want it to be real slouched either. You would like it to be in the middle. So upper body muscles should be engaged, but not real rigid and not real slouched. That's going to keep a real active, attentive, and an aware mind. Now with your hands and arms, there's lots of different options here. It's all about finding what's right for you. So there's multiple options that I'll give you and you figure out what works best for you. Gautama Buddha put his right hand on top of his left. So the back of his right hand is in the palm of his left hand. And then he put his thumbs together and he then placed those hands in his lap very comfortably. If that's comfortable for you, then do it. But this isn't about everybody doing it the same way. What Gautama Buddha did might not be comfortable for you. So don't do it that way. The other options you might choose to explore is just put two hands on your legs with your palms up in the air or turn your palms over placing them on your thighs or your knees. If you're in a chair, you might want to put your arms on the armrest. Basically, put your hands and arms in a position where it's like they don't even matter. It's like they're not even engaged. For me, I do put my right hand over my left with my thumbs together. It feels comfortable. I can place those in my lap, and it's like my arms and my hands, there's no muscles that are engaged whatsoever. They're just completely relaxed. But if for some reason this wasn't comfortable for me, I wouldn't do it this way. So you find what's comfortable for you where you're not engaging any muscles in your shoulders, your arms, or your hands that they can just be plopped down and just relaxed with no muscles engaged. The only engagement of muscles you should have is in the core of your body to keep your spine erect. Okay, and that's going to maintain the active muscles in your upper body, which is going to maintain the activeness of the mind. So it can be attentive and we can actively train it. Now from this sitting position, whether you're in the chair or on the floor, I would like you to close your eyes and just start breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Just a nice, steady, natural breath. Everybody's breath is going to be a different pace. So just breathe in a nice, natural breath. Don't try to force your breath. Don't try to control it. Just a nice, natural breath. 
breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Okay, just sit here for a bit and just focus on developing a nice natural breath in through the nose and out through the nose. I would like you to notice the sound of the air coming into the nose or the sensation of the air moving over the skin into the nose. That's the point where you're going to fix the mind on that sound or on that sensation of the air moving into the nose. That's where you want to fix your mind. Now, as you're in meditation and you're trying to fix the mind on that breath, the mind is going to be interested to go to the past or to the future. Or there's going to be various thoughts and ideas, perceptions that come into the mind. As those happen, just cut them off and bring the mind back to the breath. I'm going to leave you here just focusing on the breath. Focusing the mind on the sound of the breath. Wherever you see or feel or experience thoughts, feelings, ideas, perceptions, just cut those off, let them go, and bring the mind to the breath. I'm going to leave you here. I'm going to do a little bit of chanting, and then I'm going to come back with some guidance. So just focus the mind on the breath. Ara-ang-sam-ma-sam-mo-to-ma-ka-va-te-mi-sa-va-ka-to-ma-ka-va-ta-tam-mo Tamang namasami Supatipano makawato Sawakasangho Sanghang namami Napmodhasabhakavato Arahato Sama Samputasa Napmodhasabhakavato Arahato Sama Samputasa Napmodhasabhakavato Arahato Sammasamputasa Iti piso makawa 
you to just keep focusing on your breath. I'm going to give you a little bit of guidance here just to kind of deepen your meditation. And then I'm going to leave you on your own without any guidance. Because that's the real way that we would like to evolve your meditation practice to the point where you don't need to hear my voice in order to meditate that you can do this completely on your own. But we're going to build up to that. So I'm going to give you a bit of guidance here, and then I'm going to be quiet, and then come back with some more chanting to finish off our session. So continue to take your deep breaths in through the nose and out through the nose. This breath is the present moment. We need to train the mind to fixate on this breath, the present moment. As there's various thoughts, you want to cut them off and bring the mind back to the breath. So as you're breathing in through the nose, and out through the nose. Focus the mind on the sound or the sensation of the air entering the nose. As you sit here establishing the breath, just a nice natural breath, fixate the mind on the breath, the present moment. Once I leave you without any guidance and you start doing this on your own, the mind's going to want to drift into the past or it's going to want to wander into the future. When that happens, just cut off those thoughts and bring the mind to the breath, to the present moment. Just let those thoughts go. If there's sad thoughts or pleasant thoughts in the past, just let them be. Cut them off and bring the mind to the breath. Or if there's something in the future that the mind is longing for, if there's something you're afraid of or some painful thoughts or something pleasant that you're anticipating in the future, something that the mind might get excited about, just cut that off. 
Cut off those feelings, let them go, and bring the mind to the breath, to the present moment. As you sit here observing the breath and the mind wanders, don't judge yourself. Don't feel guilty. Don't label the thoughts. Just as soon as the mind goes to the past and you notice it and you're aware of it, cut it off. Don't label it. Don't try to figure out why. Just focus on the breath. The same thing if the mind goes to the future. Don't try to figure out why. Don't try to label it. Just as soon as you notice it, cut it off and bring the mind to the breath. You haven't done anything wrong. It's just the unenlightened mind isn't in the present moment. So it's going to want to wander into the past and wander into the future. But you're going to train it to only be in the present moment, fixated on the breath. So if there's thoughts, ideas, feelings, or perceptions that arise, just let them go, cut them off, and bring the mind to the breath. I'm going to leave you now, just give you some time to really focus on training the mind so that you can see that you can control it. Just cut off the thoughts and bring the mind to the breath. You have nowhere to go. You have nothing to do. No one needs you right now. This is your time. This is your time to train the mind to focus on the breath in the present moment.
now. Just slowly kind of come back into the present moment with your eyes open. Okay, so as you heard there, I did some chanting. We're going to discuss the chanting later in this program. Right now, I'm mainly just kind of giving you guys a really brief, brief introduction to meditation. Just kind of gradually progressing you in this path toward enlightenment. So just giving you a real brief introduction to meditation. Because what I would like to suggest for you to do is from this point forward, each day, at least once a day, or if you can, maybe twice a day, do this style of meditation where you do something to kind of ease the mind into meditation. Once you're in meditation, 
as the past or the future or various thoughts and ideas and feelings arise, just cut them off. Let them go. Bring the focus of the mind to the breath. The breath's the present moment. This will help you develop singleness of mind. Do this each day. And there's really no exact amount of time that you should potentially do this for. If you do it for five minutes and that's what you feel is good for right now, then do it for five minutes. If you feel like you can go longer, like maybe 15, 20, 30 minutes, then great. Do a little bit longer. If you can get beyond 30 minutes, great. Just keep going because the benefits of meditation are accumulative, right? I would never suggest somebody to always do 30 minutes or always do 10 minutes or always do one hour because this is the mind craving permanence. But just ease the mind into meditation, focus on the breath, center the mind, just become aware of the breath as the breath is the present moment, and then meditate, cutting the thoughts, letting them go, bringing the mind to the breath, and then when you feel like you're done, just finish. Later, if you would like to add chanting, we're going to discuss that in a future class. But for now, just work with this little bit of information that I've given you. If you have time and you would like to explore this topic of meditation more, in the book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Nibbana, at the end of the preface and at the end of the first chapter, there's links to a podcast and there's links to YouTube videos that explore meditation more deeply. These are classes that I did in our past group learning program, but I link them at the beginning of the book to help you start developing your meditation practice. So if you've got more time and you want to dive into this topic of meditation more than what I've shared with you today, then I suggest you go ahead and listen to those podcasts or watch those videos. Another option that you have is if you have some more time, go ahead and read chapter 11. Even though we're not covering that yet in our Sunday talks, I suggest in the preface that if somebody would like to skip ahead and kind of read chapter 11 and listen to the talks that are linked at the end of chapter 11, you might decide to do that now, very early in this program, so that you can more readily develop your meditation practice. Because the more you develop your meditation practice, the wider and wider that stand is going to be. So if you've got some extra time on your hands this week, go ahead and dive into developing this breathing mindfulness meditation practice with the podcast, with the YouTube videos, with chapter 11. And each week I will be expanding what I share with you more and more and more, but there are resources available for you. And if you want to go and dive into this more deeply, you have the option to do that. But I'm kind of just progressing everybody just at a slow pace, just to gradually progress you towards developing this meditation practice. Likewise, the length of time that we did today was somewhat shorter compared to what we'll get to as we go through the program. We'll get longer and longer sessions in. So work on developing this practice, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour. Just work on developing this practice. If you do it in the morning, you'll notice that it really sets up your day really nice for you because the phone's not ringing, there's not a lot of demands on you, your stomach's empty, 
you can do a meditation session in the morning. Same thing in the evening. The phone kind of stops ringing. People don't need you as much. The stomach's fairly empty. You can kind of ease the mind into sleeping and you'll get a really good night's sleep. And then you can wake up in the morning and once again, do a little bit of meditation in order to get your day going. If you can do these two times, morning and evening, I think you'll notice a lot of benefits by just developing this regular practice. And if you're just getting started with meditation, recognize that it's gonna take time to build this habit. So if you miss a day or two here, like Bill was talking about, don't feel guilty, don't feel shameful, don't beat yourself up, nothing bad's gonna happen to you. Just don't be negligent, don't be complacent, don't be lazy, really dedicate your time to building up this practice. And if you're currently meditating, even before this program, if you're using music or apps or guided meditations or things like this, what I encourage you to do is set those things to the side for now. Just set them to the side. They're there for you. You can always come back to them at another time. But if you can develop this practice that I'm sharing with you, where it's only the mind focused on the breath, cutting the thoughts, eliminating the thoughts, bringing the mind to the breath, don't even set an alarm for how long you should meditate. Don't even set an alarm. Just ease the mind into meditation, focus on the breath, cut the thoughts, eliminate the thoughts, let them go. Once you feel like, okay, I'm done, just finish. Don't even look to see how long you were actually meditating. Just finish and be done with it. If at any point you feel pain in the body from your meditation position, change the body, right? Because if your mind is sitting in meditation and all you feel is pain, 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 it's going to be hard for you to train the mind. It's going to be hard for you to cut that off. So I don't agree with sitting in meditation and just bearing down into the pain and just willing it away. If your hip is hurting you, if your knee is hurting you, this is an indication that something's wrong with the physical body. That's what pain is. This is an indication to the mind, something's wrong here. So if you feel that pain and your mind is experiencing pain, it's a way to tell the mind something's wrong. So what do you do when something's wrong is you fix it. So if you feel pain in the knee or you feel pain in the hip, even you're in meditation, adjust your position and get comfortable so that then as the body's comfortable, you can get to the mind and train the mind. Because if the body's uncomfortable, you're not gonna be able to get to the mind because the mind's just gonna keep experiencing pain. I call this that in order to train the boss, which is the mind, you've gotta go through the employee. So you gotta make the employee comfortable in order to get to the boss. So make the employee comfortable, make the body comfortable, but not luxurious. We don't want the employee to be too luxurious because they're gonna slack off, they're not gonna do their job. So make the employee comfortable, but not luxurious. That way, when the employee's comfortable, then you can get to the boss, you can get to the mind, okay? So anytime you feel pain, just take appropriate action to remedy the pain so that you can then continue to train the mind. So what questions do you guys have on what we did today? 
So on the topic of pain during meditation, we had a comment from Joy. She says, my back hurts if I don't lean back against something and then I can't focus. So any advice for Joy? Yeah, Joy, if you want to lean back just a little bit since you're just getting started, if you need to lean back a little bit, you know, like the small of your back or just, you know, kind of lightly touching the back of a chair or the back of the wall, that's fine. You got to build up the strength and the muscles to feel comfortable in a sitting position. So that can be one option for you is just give a little bit of leaning back, but still keep the upper body muscles engaged so that it keeps the mind active. That's one option. The second option is you can do lying position. If your body can't even lean up against something and there's still pain, then look in chapter 11. There's a lying position where you can lay down and there's also a standing position. By changing positions, sometimes you can get more comfortable and maybe come back to seated position another time when the body's less painful. And I've had to do this at different times in my practice where my back wasn't feeling so good and sitting position wasn't working. I would just lay for five, six, ten sessions and then come back to seated or stand or there's also walking as well, but we haven't gotten into that. So I would suggest either leaning back against something just a little bit to give your body a little bit of a rest and a little bit of a support, but still keep the upper body muscles engaged or switch to lying or standing both of which are shared with pictures in chapter 11 of the book. You'll be able to see it there. We have a question from uh, Deborah. She says, David, I find it very hard to concentrate. How can I overcome this? Keep meditating. <laughs> the reason why you're having trouble concentrating is because you just haven't trained the mind enough. I tell you the first three, five, eight, ten years, I wasn't meditating properly. I didn't have a guidance. I didn't have any help to teach me how to meditate. I was doing it all wrong. And my mind was just all over the place all the time, very muddled. It was almost like I hit a brick wall. So not that you're going to take you three, five, ten years, right? But it's normal. An unenlightened mind is going to be fairly muddled. There's going to be a lack of concentration, a lack of focus. That's the whole reason why you're doing this. So just wherever you notice it, where if your mind goes into the past and you've been meditating for five or 10 minutes and you're like, oh my goodness, my mind has been wandering and I just realized it. Wherever you realize it, just cut it off and bring it to the breath. Or if your mind's going to the future, five, 10, 15, whoa, I didn't even realize my mind was doing that. Sometimes you get lost in thought and sometimes the mind chases after pleasant feelings. And they feel so pleasant, you even kind of forget that you're actually meditating. But wherever you notice it, just cut it off and bring the mind back to the breath. Don't force it, but it's just kind of like, it's like letting a bird go out of your hands. So we say cut it, right, or let it go. But it's really just kind of like, all right, let it go. Just bring the mind back to the breath. And the more and more you do this, you'll notice that the amount of time that the mind wanders will get less and less and less, and you'll get better and better at maintaining the breath. But right now, your mind's not there, and that's okay because it's under development. It's like a website. When you go to a new website, it's like website under development. Just think of your mind under development, right? It's still being trained. So you're going to feel 
like you don't have clarity, you're gonna feel like, oh, I can't get my mind to focus, or you might only get five seconds of real clarity, and then boom, it's really muddled again. But that's okay, because each session, you just work at it more and more and more. And wherever you are, that's where you are, and just work with where you're at. So the more you learn, the more you practice, the more you get better and better at this, the meditation will improve. It's just gonna take time. I have a question from Judith. If any time breathing is painful or very uncomfortable, what can we do? Is this maybe like with asthma or bronchitis or something like that? Yeah. So I've had problems where like I've had like a cracked rib before and my breathing was very painful. So I just did a little bit shallower of a breath with something like a cracked rib. I wasn't able to take as deep of a breath. I was told when I was younger I have asthma, but I haven't really had any symptoms of it since then. So I'm not sure about with asthma or bronchitis or something like that. You kind of have to do the best that you can and just kind of take in the breath, even if it's a shallow breath. It's okay because the breath itself isn't what's important. What's important is that the mind fixates on the present moment. So if it's a shallow breath or if it's a long breath, it's still just as effective. And the Buddha in his actual teachings, his guidance, when he did guided meditation, he would say, if you breathe in short, know that you breathe in short. If you breathe out short, know that you breathe out short. If you breathe in long, know that you breathe in long. If you breathe out long, know that you breathe out long. What he's basically saying is the length of time in your breath, it doesn't matter. What's important is that you focus on the breath. So that should help you just, you know, breathe into whatever point that you can and just focus on the breath, whether it's short or long, doesn't actually matter. Okay, we have a comment from Javier. He says, I want peace of mind, but not to lose enthusiasm and interest in things. So any advice for Javier? So you can still have peace of mind and pursue things in life, but what's going to happen if you follow this path and you practice this path is if your mind is in deep craving, which we haven't gotten to with the Four Noble Truths yet, craving, desire, attachment is this mental longing with a strong eagerness. We might call it passion, or we might say someone's driven, right? And we've looked at this in our society as desirable traits. Someone who's driven or someone who's passionate we consider that desirable. However, that actually leads to discontentedness of mind. If we're real, real driven and we really want things so badly, or we have this deep, deep, deep passion to have things a certain way, that means that our mind is going to be discontent. It's going to experience sadness, anger, frustration, irritation, annoyance. So if your mind's used to dwelling that way, and conducting life that way, moving on this path and progressing on this path, it might feel a little bit odd for you. It might feel a little bit strange because what you're doing is you're kind of pulling that back a bit, right? And it's gonna feel odd because your mind's been used to being driven. It's being used to being passionate and really forceful with people. So to train the mind to pull back feels strange. It feels odd. It, it feels not normal. 
right? Because the mind wants this permanence. It wants to hold on to this drivenness. It wants to hold on to this passion. But by doing so, you're also holding on to the anger, the frustration, the irritation. So there's this gradual progress, this gradual adjustment of training the mind to pull back and the mind's got to feel comfortable with that. You've got to gradually train the mind to feel satisfied and comfortable with that. What you'll notice is by pulling back that passion and pulling back that drivenness, your mind will be able to reside peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy with this singleness of mind. And you'll actually be more successful in pursuing goals, objectives, and your interests because now you can do it with wisdom without all this negative hostility, this anger, this aggression, this frustration. You can actually be much more successful, but it's going to be a change for you. Your mind is going to feel like it doesn't like it because the mind likes this driven passion. So you've got to kind of do this slowly where you draw the mind back, bring it into the middle, and it's going to feel odd because your mind isn't used to operating this way. It's used to working with all this drivenness and all this passion. So as you ease the mind into this middle way, this way that the Buddha teaches, it's going to feel somewhat strange and odd. But the more and more your mind gets comfortable with that and you see that you can absolutely accomplish objectives, goals, and interests, and you're actually going to be even more successful because all the time that we spend being angry, being sad, being frustrated, being irritated, feeling guilty and shameful and bored and lonely and shy and jealous and resentful, all that time that we spend as you walk on this path and you get closer and closer to enlightenment and you look back on your life you're like, wow, I wasted so much time being discontent. So what you're going to observe is by training your mind to have singleness of mind in the present moment, making very wise decisions without all this passion and drive, you're actually going to have more time to accomplish the goals in life. And you're going to be making wiser and wiser choices. What you're also going to notice is that your sleep schedule actually shrinks. There was times in my life where I actually used to sleep 12 or 14 hours a day. 12 or 14 hours a day because I was driving myself so heavily with passion and I was working myself to the bone that I had to sleep this enormous amount of time to recoup the energy that I was expending. Well, when your mind starts performing optimally, in the way that the Buddha prescribes in these teachings, and you can maintain the singleness of mind, not only do you get all this time because you're not angry, sad, jealous, resentful, bored, lonely all the time, but you also get more time because you're not sleeping as much. When your mind is in the present moment and it's residing only in the present moment, it's almost like time is standing still. It Literally, it's almost like time is standing still. I remember times in the past where I could go through an entire year and I would get to New Year's and I'd be like, what in the heck did I do this year? What did I do? Max is nodding his head, right? Like you guys have had this experience where on your birthday or on holidays, like a, a year, you're like, this year just went by so quick. It's like you didn't get to experience anything. 
You have no idea. You just blew through an entire year and you just blew through it with all this craving, all this desire, all this drive, all this passion. And you look back and all it is is like like a Tasmanian devil knocked down all the trees. Like what just happened? And you don't even have any insight to what the year actually was because you just plowed through it so quickly. When you start residing with the mind in the present moment, with singleness of mind, less sleep, and you're actively making very good, wise choices that have very good benefit, it's almost like time stands still and you can experience each individual moment and you'll get so much more benefit out of life because you're making better and better choices. Therefore, you're going to be able to meet your goals, objectives, and interests much more readily than you would with all this drive and all this passion. We have a follow-up from Joy. She says, I have trouble breathing through a nasal passage and my mind kept wandering to my future doctor appointment with the surgeon that would address this at the end of the month. This is challenging to cut off while focusing on the breath. Do I just keep practicing, work through it while working through the medical side of it? Yes, that's exactly right, Joy. I have had problems with sinuses and polyps. I've had two broken noses, three different, four different surgeries on my sinuses and nose. And that was when I was in America. And that's one of the reasons why it was really hard for me to meditate during that time, but also because I just didn't know what I was doing. But one of the things that I've come to is I've worked out all the sinus issues. I still have a big deviated septum. But some of the things that have helped me is I do saltwater nasal rinses in order to clear out the sinuses. So if you're able to do that, they can really help to clear out the sinuses and keep them clean. Another thing that I've done is I now have a filter, an air filter, a really high quality HEPA air filter in my bedroom because in the bedroom is where I spend most of my time sleeping, meditating, teaching, all of these things. So I've got a HEPA filter that circulates the air and filters it. I've got a a fan that blows that air around. And then of course I've got the air con that makes the air cool, but I'm also doing nasal rinses. So this has completely cleared up all the sinus issues that I've had along with the surgeries. So keep at it, keep meditating and work on the physical issues with your doctors. If it's so bad that you're just completely clogged up and you're not getting any air whatsoever, like when I was sick last week, I started meditating through my mouth. I just wanted to try it. I've done it about eight or 10 times and I focused my mind on the air, the sensation of the air going over my lip. So when I was completely clogged up and I couldn't get any air at all, I just breathed through my mouth because the important thing is that the mind is fixated on the present moment. The breath is the present moment. The breath represents the present moment. So whether it's coming through your nose or it's coming through your mouth, the idea is to fix the mind on the present moment. And it's the breath that creates the present moment. So same thing with Judith. You know, if you need to breathe in through your mouth, you can do that too. So just work through the physical issues, but fixate the mind either on the air coming into the nose or the air going into the mouth. We have a question from Randall. I've got another breath question. I notice my breath grow deeper as I meditate. It's not a conscious effort and it feels natural and comfortable, but deeper than my normal breathing. Is this normal? 
I don't want to become attached to any bad habits. Yeah, this is normal. If your breath is still natural, but it's getting deeper and longer, that's fine because what that does is it helps to slow the mind down if you're taking longer breaths. Whereas if you're taking real rapid breaths, like, you know, the mind's going to be more active. So as long as it's a natural breath, the length of the breath isn't as important. You definitely don't want to be hyperventilating, but you want a nice, steady, consistent, natural breath. So it sounds like that's what you've got. So that's completely fine. Thank you, David. It appears we have no more questions at this time. Okay, so I will just thank all of you guys for joining then and let you know that this program is going to slowly progress and slowly kind of ramp you up on all the various teachings that you need, not just for meditation, but also your daily life practice as well. But here, I just wanted to give you kind of a brief little introduction to meditation and help you start getting really well established and just starting off with this consistent daily habit of meditating. As we go through the program, I'll be adding more and more to each session that we do in order to deepen and develop your meditation practice. And each of these sessions are also opportunities for you guys to get questions answered just like you just did. So lots of questions is really helpful so that you have that weekly touch point with your teacher where you can be observing what's going on with the mind in daily life. You can be observing what's going on during your meditations. And as you have questions, you have a, a weekly touch point with your teacher where you can be getting help. You can either post questions in the Facebook group you can send me a private message. You can schedule a private meeting with me through video or audio. You can ask questions during these live sessions, but all these different ways I make myself available for you so that you can continue to get help through asking questions because you're gonna have lots of questions as you go and that's completely normal. And even if it's just something as simple as like what Randall was doing is I was just confirming with him. Yeah, that's normal. And that can add some confidence in just having that confirmation from a teacher that, yeah, what you're experiencing is completely normal. Or it might be something that you're misunderstanding. So having those touch points, those regular sessions where you can come into class and get help is really helpful. But then, of course, there's the Facebook group and contacting me privately as well. So you're welcome to do that as you need help. So in the meantime, between now and our next session, continue to develop your meditation practice, hopefully meditating morning and or evening or both of those, and continue to explore the book, the podcast, the videos, all these different resources that you have. The more that you learn and observe and reflect on these teachings, how they actually work, the more the mind's going to awaken. It's a slow, gradual process. So just kind of drip feed the teachings into the mind, whether it's reading for just 10 minutes a day, meditating for 20, 30 minutes at a time, however long you do. If you want to do longer, do longer. But in actuality, you know, if you just dedicated one hour a day to the combination of reading and meditating, you would be really well off. If you're able to, between reading and maybe meditating twice a day, if you were able to dedicate kind of an hour and a half, two hours a day, and just slowly do this each day, 
you're going to be really well off by the time you progress through this program. Or if you just read for like 30 minutes at the beginning of the week, the particular chapter that we're studying, and then all the subsequent days, all you're doing is meditating, that's fine too. But the more time and effort you devote to absorbing the teachings through the book, the video, the podcast, taking the quiz, coming to classes, the more you kind of drip feed these teachings into the mind and really soak them in, the more benefit it's going to be for you. And eventually, once you kind of bone up on all these teachings and you kind of get over the hump, so to speak, and you really have a real breadth and depth of the teachings, then it's just a matter of just applying it more and more and more in life. So uh, I think if you talk to some of the people that have been studying for quite a while, like Max and Amina and Bill, when they come to these classes, they hear some things that are they've heard before, but they're just deepening their understanding along the way. But by and large, they've kind of, within about a six-month period or a year period, they've kind of absorbed you know, the bulk of Gautama Buddha's teachings, and it's just a matter of now practicing them on a daily basis. So continue to be consistent with your meditation. Continue to be consistent in learning the teachings through all the different resources that I provide. And always feel comfortable to reach out and get help, whether it's during class or after class. So have a good rest of your day, and we'll see you at Sunday at 9 o'clock Thai time. And between now and then, just have a really wonderful rest of your week. We'll see you on Sunday. Sawadikap. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.